The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Good morning. I'm Amy Morris. And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. We begin with the latest on the war in the Middle East. Israel has struck targets in Lebanon, stepping up its ground operations in Gaza. This latest military action comes as Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu rules out a ceasefire and dismissed calls for him to resign over security failures that led to the October 7th Hamas attack. The only thing that I intend to have resign is Hamas. We're going to resign them to the dustbin of history. That's my goal. That's my responsibility. And that's what I'm leading the country to do. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says more than 1,400 Israelis were killed in that attack, the largest loss of Jewish life since the Holocaust. Well, Amy Netanyahu made his evening address in English. Bloomberg's Oliver Crook is in Tel Aviv and has more on Netanyahu's message to the international community. The point that he was making was one that we've heard many times for the prime minister, a question of moral clarity and making the distinction between the deliberate murder of innocent and the unintentional casualties that accompany any war um, is what he says. And of course, those casualties have exceeded now, according to the Gazan authorities, more than 8,000 people. And that is the big question internationally. Where is the limit to self-defense? On the question of ceasefires, he says we wouldn't have asked for a ceasefire after Pearl Harbor or 9-11, um, that a ceasefire is a call for surrender for Israel is what he said. And regardless of who's with Israel. He says he's going to continue on this battle. And Bloomberg's Oliver Crook reporting from Tel Aviv says authorities in Hamas run Gaza say the death toll since the war erupted has surpassed 8,300. And back here at home, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and Secretary of State Antony Blinken will make the case that the United States should immediately send aid to both Israel and Ukraine. They'll testify at a Senate hearing as House Republicans are taking their own path on aid to Israel. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has that story. The Republicans introducing a $14.3 billion aid plan. The package separates Israel aid from a broader Biden emergency funding request that include Ukraine and Taiwan aid. We'll have to see what the speaker will do. Now, it pays for the Israel aid by cutting the Biden Inflation Reduction Act, calling for a $14.3 billion reduction in funding for the IRS. This complicates the process to get anything done on this, as Democrats in the Senate and the president himself feel very strongly about that funding. Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Radio. All right, Ed, thank you. Well, turning to the markets now, the yen is falling the most in two months after the Bank of Japan made only minor changes to its policy settings, and that's disappointing some in the market who had expected more. The central bank kept its cap on long-term yields at 1% and left its negative interest rate untouched. Staying in Asia, China's factory activity fell back into contraction in October. Bloomberg Daybreak Asia anchor Brian Curtis has more from Hong Kong. The official PMI fell to 49.5 in October, the estimate 50.2. In addition, an expansion of the services sector unexpectedly eased. The reading suggests the economy remains fragile and needs further support. The non-manufacturing gauge declined to 50.6 from 51.7 in September, also lower than forecast. 
The numbers are skewed due to an eight-day holiday at the beginning of the month. But let's not quibble. Demand remains weak. In Hong Kong, Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Radio. All right, Brian, thank you. Well, in corporate news, Apple has unveiled new iMac and laptop models in the third generation of its in-house processor line. The tech giant says the new chip will make its MacBooks more powerful and retain their battery life. We get more from Bloomberg's executive global technology editor, Tom Giles, in San Francisco. What they're trying to show is that the new line of chips that they've just unveiled, the M3, is 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 a kind of chip that's that's faster, more powerful, and at the same time more energy efficient. So what they're trying to do is they're using this new chip to breathe life into their their Mac product line. And Bloomberg's Tom Giles says Mac sales are forecast to climb about five percent in the holiday quarter. And staying on the tech theme, X, the platform formerly known as Twitter, is worth less than half of what Elon Musk paid for it a year ago. More from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. A source tells Bloomberg restricted stock units awarded to employees value the company at $19 billion or $45 a share. A year ago, Musk bought Twitter for $44 billion. Since the takeover, most of Twitter's staff was laid off or resigned. Musk renamed the company X, changed some of its content rules, and has since lost more than half of its ad revenue. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Radio. All right, Charlie, thanks. Now to the latest on the Sam Bankman-Fried fraud trial. The co-founder of FTX took the stand again yesterday, telling a New York court he was aware Alameda Research did not take steps to properly hedge risks. He's charged with approving the transfer of billions of FTX customer dollars into Alameda for investments, political donations, and real estate before both companies collapsed. Turning to earnings, 30 companies in the S&P 500 will report today. Heading the list, Pfizer, Caterpillar, and Amgen. Shares of Pinterest are up more than 16% in early trading. The social networking company reported third-quarter results that beat estimates. And in Europe, Amy, shares of BP are falling. They're down more than 5%. Profit fell short of estimates as weak results in gas marketing offset a strong performance in oil trading. Like its big oil peers, BP's earnings were well below last year's record levels, uh, high by his, which were high by historical standards as geopolitical tensions kept energy prices elevated. And time now for a look at some of the other stories making news around the world. For that, we're joined by Bloomberg's John Tucker. John, good morning. And good morning, Karen. The White House says there's been a rise in anti-Semitic incidents at schools and on college campuses nationwide following the Israel-Hamas war. Among the latest, officials at Cornell University say the FBI has been notified about online threats of violence directed at the university's Jewish center. White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre. There's no place for hate in America, and we condemn any anti-Semitic threat or incident in the strongest, in the strongest terms. She says the administration is monitoring those threats and others closely. Vice President Harris poised to announce an investment of more than $200 million from philanthropic foundations to finance artificial intelligence advancements. That story in this report this morning from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. The investment aligns with the Biden administration's broader goals of promoting AI 
innovation that protects consumers and supports international rules for the nascent technology. The funders are also prioritizing initiatives focused on safeguarding democracy, assisting workers facing AI-driven changes, and improving the transparency around AI. The announcement comes as Harris is scheduled to travel to London this week to meet with industry and foreign government leaders at a summit on AI risks. Jeff Bellinger, Bloomberg Radio. The testimony of former President Trump's daughter Ivanka in his ongoing civil fraud trial has been delayed. She was scheduled to take the stand Friday, but will now appear November 8th instead in order to provide sufficient time for her to be questioned. She'll testify the same day as the third Republican presidential primary debate, which her father has chosen to skip. In Colorado, a trial has begun that has a group arguing former President Trump's role on January 6th disqualifies him from holding office, and he should be kept off the ballot there. A similar case is going to be heard this week in Minnesota. There's another one in Michigan and another set for New Hampshire. Ultimately, they may be destined for the U.S. Supreme Court. Global News, 24 hours a day and whenever you want it with Bloomberg News Now. I'm John Tucker, and this is Bloomberg Radio. Karen. All right, John, thanks. Well, we bring you news throughout the day right here on Bloomberg Radio. But now, as John said, you can get the latest news on demand whenever you want it. Subscribe to Bloomberg News Now to get the latest headlines at the click of a button. Get informed on your schedule. You can listen and subscribe to Bloomberg News Now on the Bloomberg Business app, Bloomberg.com, plus Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. It's time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stashauer. John. Karen, the Texas Rangers are now 9-0 in this postseason in road games. They won game three of the World Series at Arizona 3-1, scoring all three runs in the third inning. Corey Seager hit a two-run homer. Max Scherzer pitched the first three innings left with a back injury, but John Gray followed with three innings, and then three relievers followed after that. Rangers now lead the series two games to one with game four in Phoenix tonight. Frank Howard has passed away at the age of 87, a major leaguer for 16 years. He was the rookie of the year playing for the Dodgers in 1960, won a World Series in L.A. a few years later, then a four-time All-Star playing for the Washington Senators. The Monday night football game was in Detroit, and the Lions were coming off a 38-6 loss last week at Baltimore. They rebounded and beat the Raiders 26-14, and Detroit is now 6-2. The rookie running back, Jameer Gibbs, 26 carries, 152 yards. The Celtics are 3-0. They got 36 points from Jalen Brown in a 126-107 win at Washington. The Warriors are 3-0 on the road. Steph Curry scored 42. Golden State won at New Orleans, 130-102. The Bruins were facing the team that ousted them from the playoffs last year. Boston was down 2-0. Pavel Zaka scored in overtime, and the Bruins beat Florida 3-2. Bruins improving to 8-0-1 on the season. The NFL trade deadline is today at 4 o'clock Eastern. Buffalo Bills have signed veteran running back Leonard Fournette. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. 
From coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Amy Morris. Israel struck targets in Lebanon and stepped up its ground operations in Gaza. The latest military action comes as Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu rules out a ceasefire. We're joined now by Bloomberg's Roz Matheson in London. Uh, Roz, there was a defiant presser from Benjamin Netanyahu despite those calls for a ceasefire. What was the main message? Well, it seemed to be a twofold message uh, from Benjamin Netanyahu in that press conference yesterday. The first one, as you say, was to make clear that he's not interested in a ceasefire. Right now with Hamas, uh, he just said the stakes are too high for Israel and the imperative to strike back is too large. But it was also about him sort of resetting the narrative a bit potentially about his own leadership in this minute. As you were were noting, he's been under pressure since the October 7 attack by Hamas for the failure of, of, of Israel's intelligence services, security services, to see this coming, or certainly at least to, to ward it off from coming. And uh, he has blamed uh, others for that and was forced to apologise and retract a tweet that he did on it. And he was out there yesterday saying, I'm here, I'm leading, I'm still in charge. In fact, he said he had to call an end to the press conference so he could go off and, as he said, lead in this minute. So it was very much about sending a message that he's nowhere near resigning. In fact, he was asked in the press conference if he would resign. The answer was a resounding no, he was not going to resign. Um, So it's about also his own personal leadership in this minute. Is his popularity diminishing, however? It is, and it seems to be uh, there's sort of popular opinion on that. You can certainly see the tide on social media and some of the local media, also the opposition, but also more importantly, senior figures in his so-called unity government. Of course, he brought in uh, other parties, other political figures in that moment, including uh, Benny Gantz, who's been a key figure uh, previously. And and he's been quite critical of Netanyahu publicly um, over all of this. So it's not just sort of the public sphere. It's also we're hearing senior figures in uh, the security establishment, in the military and in Bibi's own current unity government, who are quite upset about uh, some of the comments that he's made. Whether that leads to anything in the short term is unlikely. Right now, Israel is more focused on the war in in Gaza, the war against Hamas. But in the longer term, uh, it is raising those further questions about Netanyahu's longevity uh, as political leader. How much is this conflict spilling into other parts of the Middle East? What are more signs that you're seeing? Well, we're not saying that broad, obviously, that the broad worry is that it becomes a, a Middle East-wide conflict, but we are seeing seepage in a way into other areas. So we're seeing Israel hitting targets in Lebanon and Syria overnight. Uh, we're seeing Lebanon warning a short time ago that things could be escalating. Of course, Lebanon itself doesn't have a lot of control over Hezbollah. That's the Iranian-backed militia that's operating there. Uh, it doesn't really have the ability to rein Hezbollah in, but certainly Lebanon is worried about it and the knock-on effect uh, on its own country and the fact that things also seem to be spilling into Syria where you've got a lot of Iranian-backed militias operating also does suggest uh, that those concerns are real about the the conflict escalating. And we know there have been attacks to and fro involving militia in Syria. They're also striking uh, U.S. soldiers at bases in places like Syria and Iraq. 
So you're seeing that escalation in activity um, involving Syria and Lebanon, at least those groups that are operating there. Uh, thankfully, now, for now, though, you're still not seeing the sense that it's turning into a full-scale regional conflict. Has there been more progress with increased humanitarian aid? Uh, it's been very limited. Again, uh, a lot of calls, obviously, for aid to increase um, in expressions of concern about the situation there. But still, the trucks are only trickling in, uh, despite all those conversations and efforts. So Israel's pledged to try and increase the aid flow, uh, but there's no tangible sign that that's really picking up. Uh, meanwhile, the casualty rate inside Gaza is rising. The Hamas-led uh, administration there is now saying that 8,300 people have been killed in Gaza, uh, many of them children, and things are in a desperate state, uh, including in the hospitals. So a lot of conversations around aid, lots of conversations around can there be a pause in the fighting. But as of this morning, uh, the flow of humanitarian help into Gaza is still very small. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed at 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Amy Morris. And I'm Karen Moscow. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.